You're listening to the Quince podcast. This Buddhist chant in Pali resonated in the air as Dalit's strongman Dr. B. R. Ambedkar quit Hinduism and converted to Buddhism on 14th October 1956. He wasn't alone. Close to 3.6 lakh of Ambedkar's followers converted with him in Nagpur. But why did Ambedkar convert? Why did he choose to convert to Buddhism? Why did he decide to convert in Nagpur? And why did he alter not just his own path but the lives of a largely marginalized Dalit community? My name is Vishnu Gopinath and you're listening to a special podcast from the Quint where we'll try to answer these questions and more. You'll also be hearing excerpts from Ambedkar's speeches in which he himself answered these questions. So, why did Ambedkar convert? Ambedkar had long decided to change his religion to escape what he considered a threat to freedom, the varna or caste system propagated by Hinduism. Frustrated by what he believed was an inherent part of the Hindu religion, Ambedkar opined that conversion was the only method for Dalits to denounce the caste system. Almost 20 years before he actually converted, Ambedkar addressed the Mahars, a section of the community considered untouchable in Mumbai, apprising them of his decision to convert. In a lengthy yet heavily influential speech, Ambedkar urged, Religion is for man and not man for religion. For getting human treatment, convert yourselves. Convert for getting organized. Convert for becoming strong. Convert for securing equality. Convert for getting liberty. Convert so that your domestic life should be happy. Why do you remain in a religion which does not treat you as a human being? Why do you remain in a religion which prohibits you from entering temples? Why do you remain in a religion which prohibits you from securing drinking water from the public well? Why do you remain in a religion which comes in your way of getting a job? Why do you remain in a religion which insults you at every step? A religion in which man's human behavior with man is prohibited is not religion, but a display of force. A religion which does not recognize a man as man is not a religion, but a disease. A religion in which the touch of animals is permitted but the touch of human beings is prohibited is not a religion but a mockery. A religion which precludes some classes from education, forbids them to accumulate wealth and to bear arms is not a religion but a mockery of human beings. A religion that compels the ignorant to be ignorant and the poor to be poor is not a religion but a punishment. on the caste system he said some hindus argue conversion is worthless if you do it out of frustration with the caste system wherever you may go you will face caste muslims have their own castes if you become christians there are also castes this is what these hindus plead unfortunately it has to be admitted that the caste system has crept into other religions also in the country but the burden of nurturing this great sin lies with the hindus alone This disease originally started from the Hindus and thereafter infected others. Although the castes exist among Muslims and Christians alike, 
it will be meanness to liken it with that of the Hindus. There is a great distinction between the caste system of the Hindus and that of the Muslims and Christians. Firstly, it must be noted that though castes exist among Christians and Muslims, it is not the chief characteristic of their body social. If one asks, who are you? and someone says, I am a Hindu, one is not satisfied with this reply. He is further asked, what is your caste? And unless this is replied to, no one can have the idea of a social status. From this, it is evident how caste has prime importance in the Hindu religion and how minor it is in Christianity and among the Muslims. There is one more difference between the caste system of the Hindus and that of the Muslims and Christians. The caste system among the Hindus has a foundation of religion. The castes in other religions have no sanction of their religion. If Hindus proclaim to disband the caste system, their religion will come in their way. On the other hand, if the Muslims and Christians start movements for abolishing the caste system in their religion, their religion will not obstruct. Hindus cannot destroy their castes without destroying their religion. Muslims and Christians need not destroy their religion for eradication of the castes. Rather, their religion will support such movements to a great extent. Even if for the sake of argument it is admitted that castes exist everywhere, it cannot be concluded that one should remain in the Hindu fold. If the caste system is useless, then the logical conclusion is that one should accept a kind of society in which the caste system has no serious adverse effect upon the person or wherein the castes can be abolished early and easily in a simple manner. Why did he choose Buddhism? Having said this, Ambedkar then contemplated for almost two decades before he chose to convert to Buddhism over other religions. According to Gauri Vishwanathan, a professor of English at Columbia University, the reason behind this choice was in fact the quote-unquote foreignness associated with Islam and Christianity. Apart from a deep-rooted disdain for the caste system inherent in Hinduism, another possible reason that could have driven Ambedkar's choice was that Buddhism met his core values of rationality, morality and justice. According to religion studies specialist Christopher Queen, Buddhism helped Ambedkar realize his requirements, quote-unquote, the exercise of individual choice based on reason and historical consciousness. Further, Christopher Queen also suggests that Ambedkar modified the religion's basic tenets to fit his idea of Buddhism, particularly by including the values of equality, fraternity and liberty from the French Revolution. Ambedkar's reinterpretation was called the Dalit Buddhist movement or Navayana or Neo-Buddhism. This new sect of the religion now rejected the four noble truths of traditional Buddhism and was instead remodeled in terms of the class struggle and social justice. Why Nagpur? Ambedkar decided to convert with his followers in Nagpur, a move that was criticized by many since the city was also considered the birthplace of the Rashtriya Swayamsevak Sangh. However, Ambedkar clarified his decision one day after he converted on 15th October 1956. He said that he had chosen the city not for the RSS but for the Nag people who according to history spearheaded the movement against the Aryan people and also propagated Buddhism. Comparing Dalits to the Nag people, Ambedkar reportedly said, The Nag people spread the teaching of Bhagwan Buddha all over India. Thus, we are like Nag people. 
It seems that the Nag people lived chiefly in Nagpur and the surrounding country. So they called this city Nagpur, meaning city of Nags. Nagpur was chosen because of this. In this matter, there is no question of a lie to provoke someone. This is not such a mental twist. The reason of the RSS did not even come into my mind and no one should take that explanation as true. Perhaps one could oppose for other reasons. I have not chosen this place just out of opposition, I tell you. This work that I began was criticized by various people and newspapers. The criticism of some people is hard. In their opinion, I was leading my poor, helpless, untouchable people astray. They say, today, those who are untouchables will remain untouchables and those rights gained for the untouchables will be destroyed and some people among us are bewildered. To the unlearned people among us, they say, go by the traditional path. On some of the old and young among us, they may be influential. If doubt has been created in the minds of people because of this, it is our duty to remove that doubt and to turn back that doubt is to strengthen the foundation of our movement. And although Ambedkar did not live long enough to practice a religion that he so well espoused, dying only two months after his official conversion, he led thousands to adopt his reinterpretation of the religion. Diksha Bhumi in Nagpur, the site where Ambedkar led the 1956 mass conversion, still remains a sacred shrine for Navayana Buddhism and is of special significance to millions. And with that, we wrap up this special podcast on The Quint. If you like this podcast and want to hear more like it, subscribe to The Quint's podcast channel. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Overcast, Spotify, GeoSavin, Radio.com and a whole range of other popular podcast platforms.